Good morning podcast, you're on the podcast for photographers, videographers, creators and general. All right, welcome to a new episode. Today I have with me Erin Hogue. Erin is a snowboard photographer and winner of the X Games. <laughs> This episode is going to be pure fire for many reasons. First of all, she's going to share with us her story. And let me tell you, that will be very inspiring, especially if you're an artist or a creator and you don't know exactly where to go maybe because your aspirations are not where you are right now well let me tell you her story is great and will help you a lot on top of that we'll be digging also into the industry how much do the photographers get paid how does it work with magazines with brands all that especially in that snow world and another part that we will be discussing is how does it feel to be a woman in a male dominant industry and all those topics are going to be sprinkled with a little bit of gear and a little bit of technical and stories so i think you guys will love that episode so before we get right into it a little reminder the 30-day adventure to great photos which is basically the photographer's workout program over 30 days that i built is starting in a few days if you wanted to participate it is now or never the link is in the description of the podcast or you can go to prtlambert.com forward slash 30 day to great photos. And from there, you can sign up and you will join the adventure. All right, now that that's said, let's welcome Erin to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Erin. Hi, it's good to be here. Awesome having you, Erin. I want to jump right into it and I want to know, what do you do in the morning you wake up if you have to be super creative that day? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, it depends. If I'm going on a shoot in the backcountry, then I get up an hour before I have to leave so that I can be really slow in getting ready and have a coffee and make sure everything's in its place. And I love the morning when it's quiet and no one else is awake because I just feel like there's no distractions and my mind can just wander. And that's really good for my creative process. Oh, that's pretty. Yeah, I feel like the mornings are super quiet. You're literally on your own. But how mm -hmm. do you how do you deal with <laughs> because you're in Whistler, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you deal with the fact that it's dark outside in the mornings? Yeah, it's a huge mental block. Oh, I love it. I lot actually a lot of people say that I don't have a problem with it. I feel like everything's still peaceful and quiet. And then as the sun comes up, I sort of like wake up more. But I have coffee and when it's still dark out, it's just no one else is awake. So you can just kind of, your mind can just sort of wander and you don't have any distractions. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Mm -hmm. Do you have any kind of like practice you would do before, before a shoot either like maybe some workout or some meditation you would, you do usually, or do you go straight into it? Um, yeah, no, not really. Sometimes I do like going for a run that will help too. Um, but In the winters, it's too cold and icy, so I haven't really been able to do that. But in the summers, I definitely go for a run in the mornings, like a really long run, and then that kind of that does the same thing and helps. Oh, that's kind awesome! Of... Yeah, that kicks <laughs> in the day pretty well. I just I just went running this morning. Yeah, yeah, it just clears your mind and gets you. I don't know, gets your creativity going somehow. Erin, you've got some impressive um, publications out there talking about you, and I'm kind of yeah. curious if you could tell us a little bit about that story around the X Games winner? Because that's, that sounds yeah. pretty badass. <laughs> Can you tell me more? Yeah, so X Games runs a photography contest and it started probably three years ago. And every month you submit photos to their gallery and they pick the best action sports photos from around the world and they pick 10 every month. 
and do that in a monthly gallery. And then at the end of the, they do one in the winter and one in the summer where they pick six finalists. And then those six finalists go head to head and it's all based off voting. So the six finalists, everyone votes and then they vote for a winner and the winner gets an X Games gold medal. So you won. <laughs> so, right? Yes. Yes, I won. For summer, for winter? I won for winter. It was a photo of um, Chris or Charles Reed. And he's going off this really cool ice waterfall. And he's doing what's called a Miller flip off the ice waterfall. Um, and yeah, that one happened to win. That's awesome. Was it your favorite shot ever? And you're like, this is the only one I want to enter? Or, or you think you have better shots, but you thought that one would pop out more for a contest? Um, it's a lot of things I submit every month. So there's constantly like just different ones, but that photo actually didn't sell the winter before. Like nobody wanted it. And I was really surprised nobody wanted it because the colors on it really popped and I really liked it. And it's funny too, because it's a waterfall that I've shot before, but it's so high up the mountain. The last time that I shot it, I shot it from below. And so it just doesn't do it justice. And I actually had to kind of convince and sort of battle with the filmer to let him shoot it from where I wanted to shoot it from because he didn't want me to go up there because I'd be in his film shot so I had to convince him that I was just gonna like look like a tree and that I really needed to be in that spot and I don't know I always love shooting ice because it just looks amazing yeah so I'm trying to think I yeah I just submit every month so I guess that I'm trying to think if that would be my most favorite photo ever That's like a, that's a big question. I don't think I've ever thought about it. <laughs> I know I mean, this it's the worst question ever to ask someone is what is your favorite photo ever? Yeah. And then you're like, uh, I have three. Does that work? <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess it would be one of my favorites. And like Charles is amazing. So I was really excited that it was of him and that it was, um, that it made it to the finals because the previous year I made it to finals as well, but it was for a photo that I wasn't as excited about. So, um, yeah, so I'm really happy with this one. Oh, so that's awesome. Mm -hmm. So you basically submit the, your, your, be, do you, your best of the months. You, you, would you recommend to other photographers participate in contests like that in their field or industry? D did it bring anything positive to your career, you would say? Yeah, I mean, I would recommend it. It just gets you a lot of exposure and gets you out there a lot more and just kind of legitimizes what you're doing a little bit more for people. Um, it didn't, I'm trying to think it didn't really result. Actually, that's not true. It resulted in like one, it resulted in one or two jobs. So yeah, it's, yeah, I would definitely do it because it just gets your name out there. And then when you're like applying to other things, if people see that you have that, then it just gives you a little bit more social credibility yeah. and social proof. Yeah. It hasn't gotten me a ton of clients, but it's gotten me a lot of other types of opportunities. Like got I got it. to go to France and teach a workshop at the finish line of the Tour de France. And they heard about me because of the X Games contest. And so, mm. so that was like a really good opportunity. And then there's been a couple things since then. So, Yeah. And I imagine also there is all the things that you don't see where clients don't tell you why they chose you, but maybe it added to, to your portfolio and, and, and knowing who you are. Yeah. Yeah, That's exactly. Great. Yeah. That's great. And it's, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Sorry, it cut off. Oh, um, yeah. And it's just kind of, it's something that people really like, gravitate towards. So if they can say that when they introduce you or when they meet you or whatever, it looks 
just gives you more credibility. <laughs> it sounds badass. It's yeah. game winner. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> I think it's hilarious because I never thought I would have a medal, like an X Games gold medal. And when they like gave it to me, I was like, this is amazing. This is so I know funny. because X Games uh, and maybe some people listening don't know what they are. They're usually for extreme sports, right? Yeah. So Which means when I saw you won the X Games medal, I was digging. I'm like, what What kind of, is she a snowboarder too on top of being a photographer or, or what was happening? I was like super curious. Oh no. And I love that because I get that like not often, but I do get that from time to time where people are like, oh, like, what did you compete in? That's so cool. And I was like, no, it's for what I do. It's for a photo. It's not, I'm not like an extreme athlete. Well, let, let's let's talk about that. Yeah. You're shooting athletes. You mm -hmm. have to be in a good shape, right? There's yeah. no way you can go up the mountain where they go without being in at least the same shape they are. That's something that yeah. I, I'm still confused. Do you think you're as much in, as in shape as they are? Or how, how do you feel about that? I'd say I'm, it depends on the rider. Some are like billy goats and are so fast and hike everywhere. And other ones don't do as much hiking. So like the ones that don't do as much hiking, I can keep up to with my camera gear on. And then the ones that do a ton of hiking, I can keep up, but I can't. I'm still a bit behind. Um, but you definitely have to be in good shape. Like they won't take you with them if they don't think that you can get somewhere. Because it's just a liability if someone gets <laughs> yeah, too tired. Yeah, like, what do you do with them? They, they don't want to have to carry yeah. the photographer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then even with snowmobiling, the stronger, because we snowmobile to a lot of locations, that's how we get around. Yeah. Um, and even to be able to do that, you have to be in really good shape. And if you're not snowmobiling, then you're doing what's like touring or splitboarding. And to do that, you're essentially walking everywhere with like a snowboard that splits in two. So it makes it easier to walk places, but you're still walking places. So you definitely have to be in really good shape to do that. And it's also a lot less productive because if you want to switch angles, sometimes it's like 20 minutes or like 45 minutes to like walk to a different angle to shoot something. Yeah. And that's why we love drones, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing you. I'm like, I don't know. It's a different angle. Drones are great for certain shots, but they don't. I know you can't shoot everything. You can't no, because it makes yet. like from above, it makes some things look really small. Yeah, it doesn't do them justice. Well, you you could you could like go on the side of the cliff, etc., and get those angles. But the cameras, I mean, you're not gonna put your your Sony with the 7200 on the drone yet. Yet, maybe in the future, yet. but they not do yet. have those big like octodrones that they've used on some snowboard film projects, but. That's a whole different. That's a whole different ball game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was asking that question because one of my favorite photographer, I would say, and athlete mm. is Jimmy Chin. Yep. Jimmy Chin, if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> there is a spot on the podcast. Just kidding. Uh, I'm actually I'm not kidding, but yeah. <laughs> we'll keep Jimmy for the future when he's releasing other three movies. I've always been blown away by his ability to climb everywhere while shooting mm -hmm. and for me that that's just mind-blowing that's why i'm asking you that question because i've never been in, in a position where i'm with very good athletes usually mm -hmm. i'm it's sad to say but i'm usually the strongest in the group yeah uh which is not great for my progress <laughs> yeah <laughs> which makes me feel like oh everyone's so lazy wait, <laughs> well wait until you meet real good people yeah um 
And so when, when I saw Jimmy, what he was doing, it was so, so mind blown. And now I see what you're doing and you're, 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 it's kind of similar. I mean, the, the way you guys shoot. So yeah. that's why I wanted to ask that question and for everyone to really have an understanding of what goes behind it because all bags are heavy. I mean, your yeah. bag must be heavy too. Right? Yeah. And so, and snowboarding too, because you're always sideways. So you definitely have to even get used to being able to ride with a heavy backpack mm. on. Because, and I used to train, like I used to bring my backpack on the mountain, like on Whistler Mountain with me when I wasn't even shooting, just so that I would be used to riding it. Because, um, like when I went to Alaska, the helicopter sometimes drops you off on like crazy peaks. Like there was one day that the guys were riding and filming on this one face. And the next day we got dropped off on top of that face, me and the filmer. And we were shooting something else from just a different angle. But then we had to ride down like the same face that they were filming the day before. So you have to be able to get down the stuff that the pros are riding. Otherwise, oh. yeah, other like you just have to be able to get around because it's the same thing. Like you're just a liability if you can't. And on this particular face, it was like so steep and there was a, a Berkshire you had to ollie at the bottom. So that's essentially where the glaciers meet up and there's like a crack in between. Oh, oops. Okay. <laughs> so you don't want to fall down the crack. So you essentially have to jump over it which with a heavy backpack is not ideal. And when it's really steep. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> you definitely- Hey everyone, uh, just wait for me while I'm jumping over with my camera gear <laughs> over a crack that probably will kill me if I fall. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, how, those are not ideal And then you situations. go home and it's like, how was your day, honey? It was, <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> As usual. Yeah, the worst is my mom because I put that in the web series and the worst is I don't even want her to watch them because I know she's just going to be like, she doesn't, I like it that she doesn't fully know what we're doing, but as the web series is, are coming out, she's getting more and more of an idea and I know her stress levels just like going higher and higher and higher. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense. It, it totally makes sense. Why? As a parent. It's, yeah, yeah. And it sounds really bad when you're saying it, but it's not. I mean, yes, those are the risks, but you kind of, it's like, no, I mean, when you do risk. street photography, you can get hit by a car just because you didn't pay attention. It's the same. It's exactly. The same <laughs> that is exactly how I see it. It's the same. Like you kind of pick your risks and yeah. At least no one will try to steal your gear when you're up there in the mountain alone. Oh yeah. Yeah. I hate that petrifies me when I go to other countries of someone stealing my gear. I hate having to worry about that. Yeah, that's the only worry I have. If I was were not a photographer, I'd probably have very little things to be stolen mm -hmm. on me. So, I mean, think about it. If you don't have camera gear, what are you carrying as a tourist? Nothing. Nothing. I know. Like, yeah. It's like you have a phone and a wallet. That's it. Wow, big deal. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, so nice. Such a luxury. I know, I know, I know. So I'm kind of curious because... You used to shoot Canon, if I'm correct, yeah. and now you moved to Sony. Can you can you share a little bit about that voyage? How did it go? Shooting, oh, uh, changing from one to the other. How do you feel? Um, I love the Sony. The Sony gear is amazing. I when I bought my last Canon camera, it was probably five years ago or six years. Ooh, no, it's probably seven years ago now. Um, I looked into Sony and looked into kind of the mirrorless ones and they just weren't there yet for action. They were great for everything else, but for action, they were still too slow um, and too slow, like in every kind of aspect, too slow to focus, um, not enough frame rate, just a lot of things made them mm -hmm. slower. And 
so when I originally was like thinking about switching this time, I was very skeptical if the gear was going to be there yet. And I've been completely blown away because I have the A9 now and it shoots up to 20 frames a second, which is insane. It's almost video, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is yeah, different... at four frames and you have raw video, basically. Yeah, exactly. Which for me, I really like, but it's been interesting to get used to because I know exactly when a rider is doing a trick, when's going to be the best style. So I don't usually like I'm not the type of person that just holds the shutter down in hopes I get the shot. Like I'm very precise and I rate for the moment that I know is going to be the best. So yeah. So the added frame rates, I didn't think that I would care for that much, but now I love it because there's certain things like pal slashes where you want a ton of options because you can't judge where the snow is going to go. So the more options you have in that second, when someone's doing a pal slash, the better. Um, so that's, yeah, that's one thing that's been so great. And then even the image quality and in low light as well, like low light image quality is amazing. And then also their color profiling and the kind of crispness. I wasn't sure I was going to love how like sharp and sort of crispy the photos are, but it, I, I love it. Like, it's just, I don't know, whatever they've done with their lenses is, yeah, I really like it. <laughs> I've been yeah, I've been really impressed. Their their lenses are really good. What mm -hmm. would you say was the the biggest, the hardest thing to get used to, either mirrorless in general or or just a Sony system or both? Um, well, one thing is that the sensors exposed when you switch lenses, which because I work in such challenging conditions mm. all the time, it's just like a little bit nerve wracking when you're like, oh, the sensor's right there. <laughs> um, I know, but I mean, I've you get used to it and it's actually not as bad as you think it would be. Um, another thing was that I'm a very, like I like very simple gear that I just grab it and it works. Whereas Sony can do everything. Like there's so many buttons and it can do absolutely everything and you can program everything. And so at first I found that really daunting because I like having my aperture on one button, my shutter speed on the other button. And it's always the same, no matter what lens you're using and focus is a different button. And that's, I'm a pretty, like, I just like it basic and for it to work. I don't, I'm not a very like technical gadgety person. Um, so I found that a little bit difficult at first, but now I love it because there are so many different options to do things. So Yeah. yeah, I'm cu I'm curious because coming from Canon, so I, I went from Canon to Nikon to Sony. Mm -hmm. um, the day I switched, it, Nikon and Sony are way closer than Canon and Sony, in my opinion, in terms of ergonomics. Because oh, yeah. on the Nikon, I had the D750. There were two uh, rolly buttons. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you call them. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. So there was one front, <laughs> I think it's a wheel. Uh, there was yeah. a front little wheel and there was a back wheel and maybe a few joysticks at the back and mm -hmm. i remember i had one for shutter speed one for aperture you know mm -hmm. uh, but canon had only one and then they had the big wheel uh, on mm -hmm. the flat face which was actually different because you had to press a button and then turn stuff in order to when you were shooting manual which for me was a little bit at first i thought it was cool but when i tried nikon i thought that was cooler And then mm -hmm. I tried Sony and I was like, oh, actually, it's the, it's the same as Nikon, but everything's smaller, which, in my opinion, yeah. was great. Yeah. And, and that's, that's how I feel, too. And I did, I did ex like, at first, I was, like, I almost felt like a caveman trying to, like, 
deal with like a tool they'd never seen before. Cause I was just like, I'm trying to make it like, I feel like it should just work and it's not working. So there was definitely a transition cause they're not that similar. But once I like gave it some time and figured it out, I like loved it and it's way better. Yeah. Do you, did you find a difference? I'm sorry, we're going technical uh, or mm -hmm. like a little bit gear geeks here, but did you yeah. find a difference in the files uh, when you were editing them, like in the colors or just the way the highlights are, or how you did them and stuff when, when you started? Yeah. The uh, range, like the color range of the Sony files, I feel like is so much more. Like they're mm -hmm. just so much more vibrant and you can pull out a lot more in them. And I also found that um, it was able to hold up contrast a lot more. Like when something's very bright or very dark, it was able to keep the, ex like keep the detail in those like extremes a lot better. Does that make sense? Absolutely. <laughs> no, it makes sense. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, 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 I mean, the dynamic range and even the colors always impressive to me because mm -hmm. for anyone who's ever seen uh, those files, I think that people are usually surprised because you can literally take out a photo that's super saturated, but also very not saturated and it's, and also change completely the colors and it still looks clean. It doesn't look like, you know, it's been too processed and that's, yes. That's so impressive. But yeah, anyway, we're not going to rave about uh, something for too long. <laughs> um, I'm kind of curious, Erin, a lot of people ask me, how do you become a pro photographer? How do you get started, etc.? Mm -hmm. And I know you're from Toronto. So I want to know, how did you break in that industry of shooting in the mountains? Yeah, I... I grew up in like a small town north of Toronto where no mountains. I didn't ride powder, like snowboard and powder until I moved to Whistler. And I'd already decided I wanted to try and do snowboard photography because I grew up looking at all these photos in magazines. And I was like, if I'm going to do it, it's now or never. And when I was 10, I saw that you could live at the bottom of the mountain. And I loved that idea. So eventually I moved out and I just did it. And that's pretty much it. Like the first season, I kind of just like shot around the mountain and met a few people. And then one of my friends had a snowmobile and she took me snowmobiling one day. And that's when I figured out like where the photos I saw in the magazines were actually taken was like you had to have a snowmobile. And that's how you had to access these locations around Whistler. And I was very specific about which mountain I moved to. Like I did a big cross Canada road trip and found where the mountains looked the best. Um, and I read an article in a magazine that another photographer had put out. And we're actually friends now about how to be like an action sports photographer. And he's like, you have to go and move to the place where the industry is. And you have to make friends with people in that place. And you basically just have to do it. And you have to buy blackout aware. That's basically what the article said. So I was like, done. I'm doing all of those things. <laughs> and so that's what I did. And then when my friend took me snowmobiling and I saw where the photos were actually taken and that I needed a snowmobile to access those locations, I saved up that summer. And the next year I bought a snowmobile and I kind of took a year to like learn how to use it. Like it's definitely like kind of a process to get into it, but I was doing other stuff on the, as well at the time. So it was really just like really fun and really cool to sort of take that year to learn everything that I could and then the next year the very first actual shoot I got invited on I crashed my snowmobile into a tree and oh, I, no. 
Yeah. And like, it was like, luckily it still started, but it was like all of the like plastic casing around everything was like totally smashed. I had to use like zip ties to tie it back together. And I was like, that was it. Like, that was fun. I gave snowboard photography a try. No one's ever going to want to work with me again. I just like drove into a tree day one. And <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's really <laughs> fun now. It's, it's actually hilarious. There's like this hilarious photo of me looking up at my snowmobile in pieces and just like, just like that, like you could just see it on my face. Like, cool. This is over. That was fun. Um, but then the guys asked me out the next day and then I just kept doing it. And that's basically what you have to do is you just like, just keep doing it. And if you're good and if you're like, not, I said this before, but if you're not a liability, if you can like actually help the crew and bring value to all of the riders, then they'll pass your name on and you'll just keep getting more and more like opportunities. And that's, that's awesome. yeah, that's pretty much how I literally just like decided I was going to do it and, and did it. And there were some times where I was like, I don't know how I got invited on this shoot, but like, I'm not asking any questions. We're just going to go with it. That's very interesting. I think you, your process and like just, just going with it. I mean, especially for those kind of, of industries where you literally need to, it's like surf photography. If you, you want to be a surf photographer, you have to be by the beach and be in the water every day. Otherwise, exactly. I mean, it's going to be difficult from Chicago Lake, you know, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> for exactly. example. Yeah. And it's in any type of photography that you want to do. Like if you want to do commercial photography, you can't be living in the middle of nowhere where there's no industry and mm -hmm. think you're going to be a commercial photographer. Like it's just not going to happen. And if you go to those places and you just like hustle and put your time in and make it work, then it'll work out eventually. That's and great. Like, did, yeah. did you work for free? Sorry, I'm, I, I just cut you off because... No, 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 go for it. Did you work for free at the beginning? How did it work out? How, how did you, Do you remember your first paid gig? My first paid gig. I'm trying to think. I remember the first photo that I sold. So in the beginning, I was just shooting to shoot to actually get good at shooting. Like anyone that needs to build a portfolio. So Got that's it. pretty much what I was doing in the beginning. And a lot of the way that the snowboard industry works is you're selling photos after the fact anyway. So oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's not like you're hired the day before always. Like usually, like as you get up there, like all of your expenses are covered. Um, and then you make a little bit of money, but then it's like what you sell after the fact that really makes your... Interesting. Yeah. It's a totally different way of working to what most people think it will be um but it still works out uh, so, how do you how, and i imagine it must have to do with the the conditions that a, a company cannot guarantee that you will get the shot every time i mean you cannot guarantee to a company that you will get the shot every time just because of the mountain the weather yeah. etc mm -hmm. so i guess they cover a little part in the like look if we get the banger shots we'll pay you uh, for the shot right Yeah. And I actually like it better that way because then I never had to stress about the weather conditions. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like if you yeah. have to get a certain shot, then you're stressed that day trying to get a shot. And sometimes it's just not going to happen. Whereas for me, I just knew that if, and I sold, I shot a lot of lifestyles, which a lot of action sports photographers don't do. So every day I go out, I get a bunch of lifestyles of the riders and a bunch of portraits of the riders. because those are really easy sells that a lot of people don't have. So no matter what I, every single day I'd go out, I'd still make money, but oh. it's not in a straightforward sort of way. And then some days I make a lot of money based off one photo and some photos make a ton of money and then other photos don't make as much money. 
Got it. Can you can you just if someone's wondering and maybe they're in Europe and they're yeah. in the mountains over there, how what are we talking about in terms of uh, monetary compensation for photos? How how is it spread out? I feel like this is the most difficult question ever for anyone. And you're asking at a very interesting time because of the change in the industry because it used to work a certain way and right now it's in flux because of Instagram, social media, um, and all of that kinds of thing. Um, but originally it used to work where um, editorial photos sell for not a lot, like it's pennies, um, but it's also like a good way to get in and it's a good way to keep the writers happy because if you get photos published of them, then they make money they used to make money off those photos and then they would push you to brands and then brands spend a lot of money for a photo. So for oh. editorial, it ranges. I mean, it's shrunk. It's, it's such a funny time for you to ask me this question because it used to be that you would get anywhere from like $250 for like a double page spread. And that would be like American to like a thousand dollars for a cover. And every publication is a little bit different, but basically it's pennies. It ranges from like, $100 to $300 and then a cover is $1,000 or whatever. Like $1,000 is the most that you'll make off a cover, which if you think about it, that's not enough. That's not a, enough to live off of or a career. Um, so that's sort of how the editorial market works. And then brands pay more. I mean, it's changing now, but it used to be for like global use of, usage of a photo would be anywhere from $5,000 to $10,000 off one photo. Oh, that, so, that gets interesting. So, yeah. So then you can make more off of those. And, yeah, and everything's different. Like, there's different, like, breakdowns. It depends on the client. It depends on the brand. Um, and the usage, et cetera. Yeah. yeah, the usage. So I've made anywhere from, like, $50 for a photo to $10,000 for a photo. Oh, that's great. I've made that $50, too. <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah and like <laughs> i think we all at one point we all did the 50 dollars photo mm. which is and i still i still have like because there's certain publications that i'm friends with so i still i still end up doing that which is fine i mean it's it is what it is it just depends what photos and a lot of photos too i can sell to different markets so i'll make like because every there's like north america's a market New Zealand's a market, Europe's a market, Japan's a market, and South America's a market. So I can mm -hmm. sell the same photo and the same, if I write a story, I can sell the same story and the same photo in each market. Oh, got it. Interesting. Yeah. And then it just gets translated. The photos don't need to be translated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it just gets translated and then you make more money off one article. That's great. How do you, um, what, when, what do you mean by it's changing now? How do you see the change? Tell, tell us more. So I, I hope you don't mind those questions. Uh, I'm going no. a little bit industry here because I think <laughs> that's the value of the podcast. We can really dive into it, whereas on YouTube, no one will ever watch it. But here, I feel like it's a deeper conversation we can have around the industry. Yeah, that's that's totally fine. Um, so because video is so accessible now, um, there has been more focused on video because in extreme sports, you want to see the trick that a person's doing. And so you can see the full trick in a video, whereas before a, a single photo would speak for that rider mm -hmm. for like usually that season. So 
how it used to work is a brand would take their riders that were on their team and then go to the photographers and pick the photo that they liked the best and use that as the rider's ad. And that would be the photo that spoke for that rider for the, the season because videos only came out once a year. So you'd have to go to the premieres to see the videos and then you would either have to buy the video, but photos just had so much more weight. And like every photo in the magazine spoke for that rider's ability and who that rider was as a rider. And there was only so many, like there would only be like five photos that got published of a rider in a single year. So those five photos spoke for that rider's ability. Whereas now there's Instagram. So riders have to put out photos every single day. And so there's less weight on just one single photo and it's spread out over a lot of photos. And even still, the vid- like they can do videos on their iPhones and that's what they would rather do more. And because they have to put out so much content, they'll just shoot photos on their iPhones because by the next day, someone will want something new. So the weight of that photo is a lot less. That's interesting. I mm-hmm. think it's definitely a change in uh, meaning the, the publication doesn't really hold the power of the audience no. as much as before. And the new audience is actually held completely by the athlete or the personal brand. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of the publications now are going under. Like another big one just went under like a couple months ago. Like one of the oh, biggest really? ones in North America. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, so... they, they completely sucked at. So, sorry, sucked. No, no, no. Uh, I, I hate using that word. But <laughs> <laughs> they completely missed the turn on adapting to the new media. Yes. Yeah, they did. And I even noticed that because I've known... Like, I'm not, I'm not surprised that this change has happened. Like, I knew that this change was going to happen for a while. So I've always been trying to figure out other ways because I knew photos in this industry, in this market would just have less value at some point. And so I still really like shooting photos. So I've tried to find other ways so that I can still keep doing what I love, but just bring that single photo a little bit more value and find other ways to still bring in income. Because the old ways don't work anymore. That's interesting. Because the, um, uh, how do you call that? At the end of the day, the, the athlete who's going to mm-hmm. post on his, uh, on his Instagram, I'm sure you've noticed there are a lot of reposting accounts that basically end up so big that they completely took over normal type publications that people would look mm-hmm. at. I'm yeah. just thinking about beautiful destinations because I've, I've seen them speak at a conference. I've, met the one of the founder uh, very briefly at that conference and what really shocked me or shocked me or what was really insightful was they completely reversed the process meaning they mm-hmm. got everyone's attention with none of their content yeah. they never produced any content until very late in the game and mm-hmm. uh, in a way i think it's it's kind of sucks if you want for traditional photographers uh, but what you can't do anything about it except uh, ad- adapt and change otherwise mm-hmm. you just stay in the bar and just complain about it yeah but i don't think for us we're, we might be too young to do that <laughs> <laughs> well and that's like one of my friends said to me too this summer he's like either you adapt or die like those are your two options so you might as well adapt because otherwise you won't survive yeah exactly so it's it's interesting do you do you work with uh, those new type of medias or or how, how do you see it right now yeah, I um, I do. I started doing a web series and am in the process of um, working on a YouTube channel. It started out as a web series and I'm trying to create it and grow it into more of a channel. 
because the story behind the photos brings them a lot more value. And so I wanted to show and tell that story. And especially for people that don't experience these locations, because they see the photos and they have no contacts, they have no um, reference point of like what actually goes into the photos. And so they don't relate to the photos as much because it's so far beyond anything that they know. So when I used to go back home to Toronto, none of my friends and family actually knew what, like they just couldn't relate to the photos because they had no context to relate to them with. They're like, that's a really cool photo, but they have no idea what it takes to get there. They have no idea where I'm actually shooting the photo from. Like it's so far beyond them. And so I wanted to show people so that the photos would bring them more value. And I also wanted to show people um, too, because I found, yeah, just because I found on um, YouTube, I wanted to create something that inspired either like younger girls or younger people that aren't used to getting outside or don't think that they can get outside in this way and don't think that they can be strong enough or that these types of things are possible for them because they're not from certain places. I kind of want to show them that, no, like anything's possible if you just basically do it. <laughs> um, that's uh, Yeah, that's awesome. Figure it out along the way. So I watched a few of those episodes. I think it's really mm -hmm. great. Everyone should should check them out. Uh, I'll drop the link in the in the show notes so that people can can check it out and see oh, what mm -hmm. happens behind the scenes. Um, I know it takes a lot of time for you also to do, but I really appreciate the fact that you're showing and not to push the woman thing. And because I'm big believer that we all have the same chances mm -hmm. in life. Now I am also a big believer, and that's what people keep telling me. It's like it's not as easy for everyone, and I completely agree. It's not as easy for anyone, but I don't mm -hmm. like pointing out how much <laughs> more difficult it is for one type versus another. Yeah. I just love pushing out the fact that look, they can do it, so can you. You know, it's yeah. not. It doesn't matter if it's harder or not. You know, you don't have a choice. What are you gonna say? Do about it. Exactly. Um, so you, as a woman. I was kind of impressed because that industry for me mainly has been uh, led by men or mm -hmm. from what I've seen from the photographer I've known and the athletes also. I mean, yeah. there are more and more um, girl athletes, but do you feel like you're in the predominantly male industry or how do you feel? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I try in the beginning, I kind of ignored it and it was just the way it was and I never really noticed it. And then in every interview I've done, it always comes up. Um, and it is definitely like a male dominated industry. And it is sort of hard because it is so physically challenging and because so few women have done it in the past to sort of break those almost like unconscious notions yeah. that like my snowmobiling abilities are always challenged and are forever challenged. And I've lost out on shoots because people don't think that because of my size, that I'll be able to handle the situations that I need to be in. Oh, and, interesting. Yeah. And there've been a few things that I like didn't notice at the time, but have looked back on and I was like, oh yeah, that's probably like why that was a funny, like awkward situation in the beginning because they weren't sure. And I also get it from their perspective as well. If there's, they haven't seen it before, it's hard for them to sort of yeah, wrap their head around totally. it. And you know what I mean? And, um, and that kind of thing. So it has definitely been um, different sort of like just altering people's preconceived notions in that way. Um, but I mean, it's not like, like for me, I never 
thought of myself as not as being not able to achieve what a guy could achieve if that makes sense like I yeah never... that's perfect that's exactly what I want <laughs> everyone to hear <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that was something I never I was like if someone else can do it I can do it too like there's no reason that that is an issue that's awesome I think you have great mindset around it uh, I know it annoys a lot of people when the opposite gender says that um, mm -hmm. to women but I strongly believe it and you're an example of it um, <laughs> thank you No, it's true. I, I tell people like, look, people like Erin are doing it. Why are you trying to make up an excuse that it's not possible? You know, yeah. that I, yeah, but you're a guy, you don't understand. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll get more girls on the podcast and show you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, there have definitely been like, like just in terms of jobs and stuff, there have been like barriers that way. Um, and I do get treated a little bit differently, which I've noticed a little bit more recently, but it's just, yeah. It's which, not... which uh, let's be honest, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes can work in your advantage, right? Oh, totally. Okay. And, yeah, it sometimes can work in your like advantage. I do get more. It's funny. I get less, um, like less pre-paid jobs because of I think because of it, but it could be an any number of other reasons as well. Yeah. Um, but I also get more exposure almost because of it. So I yeah, don't know. so it, it in a way it almost balances out. Yeah, and like everybody has unique strengths, so you just have to take like what your unique strengths are and just make them sort of work for you in no, any that's, sort that's of awesome. industry. That's great. That's great, Erin. I I wanted to yeah I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. I have my strong opinion, but you, <laughs> my, my opinion is just what it is. I mm. I I literally have a chance in life where. I'm not in a minority that's being shamed by society or that has difficulties in life. Mm -hmm. I'm a guy, so I can't even say I'm a girl. Um, yeah. And, and it's more difficult in the workspace or whatever. Um, no, I'm, I'm very, very privileged in a way, but I could also be complacent in that space, you know, where the less challenging your childhood is, I think the less adversity you, you go through, the easier it is to be lazy in the future. Um, totally in, in the way yeah and it's funny because until I entered this industry I never like you have like little things about like being a woman before but I never really felt discrimination until a little bit more recently where I like started to notice it a little bit more yeah. and um but every, like there's so many like marginalized people in the world for different reasons and I was talking to a friend of mine because I was just like whining about something being a baby about it and she happens to be um filipino and she's like and then i was like oh my god you have dealt with this your entire life and i had no idea because she's in a pr predominantly um caucasian community and so she gets it all the time for a totally different reason but she's like I was like, I can't believe I'm even complaining to you. Like, you've had this your whole life for a different reason. So, like, I don't even have the right to complain. And she's like, yeah, but you've never experienced it before. So, you're, like, not as tough as me, basically. And I was <laughs> like, that's fair enough. That's, <laughs> so, that's I mean, a good one. Yeah, there yeah. are tons of reasons for people to discriminate others. I mean, tons of bad yeah. reasons because at the end of the day, we're all humans. But totally. Uh, yeah. And I, for sure, there's different reasons. Like everybody has their own reasons that are going to make something harder for them. But you just have to decide whether you're going to let that stop you or if you're just going to take it and keep going.
and just yeah. understand everybody has hard things exactly. and challenges and obstacles to get over. So this just like that, happens to be one of yours. That's that's true. That's I think that's a great message, Erin. Uh, Hopefully, it's going to inspire people who are on the couch making up excuses at this very moment. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty easy to do. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, it's the most complacent uh, place to stay in. You know, it's like, mm. I'm going to do nothing and just complain. That way, it, it, it feels like it's not my fault, but actually it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> That's that's awesome. I think just just to finish on that, I mm -hmm. think the most striking example was on a podcast with Tim Ferriss. If I'm remembering correctly, one of the guests is has three or four of his arms and legs uh, cut off, so amputated. If we yeah. if that's what we say in English, and he's a wrestler and he's some kind of entrepreneur at the same time, and he does so many things in life. <laughs> After listening to that, I was like. I will never, ever complain in my life again. <laughs> and that's exactly like me. Like when I was complaining to her, I was like, I have no right to complain right now. Like <laughs> I chose to be in this industry. Like she doesn't have a choice. It's just how society is towards her. Like, and that's it. And it's gotten better, obviously, over time, but they're still unconscious. And like, there's still, there's still things. Yeah. I mean, it's generational. You need to change generations to have fresh mindsets uh, mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Let's go back to the training part uh, yeah. for being in shape. And I want to ask you a question. Do you think, because you trained for, for photos and I saw in one of your behind the shot that you had a, a training routine uh, to stay in shape and mm -hmm. I saw you go up and down stairs for like probably 15 minutes with a backpack full minutes? of weights. 45 minutes? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I was like oh that's what I should have done since Chicago is so flat you feel that the same would apply for photography meaning you having a personal trainer might help or do you train in specific uh, ways when you're trying to improve in photography uh yeah for what I do I hate not being in shape because I just notice it and it's harder like if you want to switch angles it takes you that much longer to get there So you might miss the light or you're going to be more tired at the end of the day or more tired throughout the day. So you're going to be lazier in the photos that you're taking. And I would much rather suffer before the fact so that it makes the shoot and shooting a lot easier. Interesting. And in terms of photography skills, do you, mm -hmm. how do you train about that? Do you have someone, some kind of mentor that helps you or, or is it just based off of what you've been inspired by and in trying to recreate? In, in terms of trying to improve my photography? Skills, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, let me think. I asked a lot of people in the beginning for sure. And I definitely do like online courses a lot. Not that much, not that many of them apply to what I do, but like I find online courses are great. And if you ever have the opportunity to talk to someone that's better than you and getting them to critique your work, um, that is also amazing because there's certain things that you aren't able to see at the time. And when I started shooting snowboarding, I was horrible. Like I did not understand how far away mountains were and like how to get the right angle. Like I just didn't understand all of that. So it was a combination of just like practicing a lot and getting better at it. And also um, talking to people and asking for them for pointers. And I think once you sort of learn those basics and like are inspired by like what you see, um, And that you love or like really successful photos like it used to be in magazines but now like on instagram when you see really successful photos 
to try and take those and recreate them. And then eventually, once you're able to master those basic skills, you can develop your own style from there. This is so insightful. So basically, recreate, master the tools, and from there, you can create your own things. Mm -hmm. Like, it's the easiest to learn anything. You're going to start by copying. And then you just to learn the basics, and then you can do your own thing after that. I don't think there is a better advice than that, to be honest. And not to beat yourself up in the process. Just keep doing it and keep putting it out there, and you'll just naturally progress. Oh, yeah, that's that's, (laughs) that's a good reminder. (laughs) That's very easy to get to. Yeah, I mean, I still have to remind myself of that. I'm like my own biggest critic, which is a good thing, but if it stops you from putting things out there, then it's a bad thing. Yeah, I, I feel like every time you're too critical with work, if you look back six months, a year, two years ago at your photos, that you really put st- stuff back in perspective and you're like, okay, I guess I'm progressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And the point is just to still put things out there and still push them while you're progressing. True, 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 true. How the, I have one last question, Erin, um, mm. because I, I think this discussion is super interesting, at least for me. So it's a little bit selfish, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I'm sure someone else will uh, relate. How do you feel about something how do you feel about the fact that you have to be the best in your field in photography although you might be great at lifestyle surf landscape weddings maybe and mm-hmm. um snowboard how, how do you feel about that the fact that you you really have to focus is it difficult for you or in in what do you mean like focus on having one having one thing that is literally your diamond you know and that's the one thing you want to be known for, for example, snowboard mm. photography. Yeah, I mean, I've done every single type of photography. Um, and this is just the one that has always stuck and has always sort of worked out the best for me. And I've loved the most. So I've been super lucky in that regard. And I think it's like a combination of, um, I don't know that you necessarily have to be the best, but just what you really like to shoot, just keep shooting that and sort of pushing that. And if it's the thing that's the most aligned with how you are as a person, then things will work out and it'll kind of fit. But also in saying that, I'm in the process of branching out as well and doing, I used to do fine art 10 years ago and I put it on the back burner to focus on snowboard photography and they're totally different ways of working and I feel like they're opposite sides of my brain and I was going to wait and start doing fine art photography once the snowboard photography was finished because I felt like I couldn't do both at the same time and market myself that way but I'm going to market both differently and both will appeal to completely different audiences but I'm still going to do both at the same time and how would you define fine art photography for anyone listening I'm, I'm jumping on what you just said yeah, no, um, fine art photography for, for me, mine is, I appreciate, um, fine art photography that's very conceptual based. So every, so for snowboarding, so much of it is based on the rider, the trick and the weather conditions play such a massive role. So you can go out for an entire day and get essentially nothing and there's nothing you can do about it. And a lot of it, you don't pre-plan photos. You don't pre-plan like a concept. It's, the rider doing the trick and you making it look very visually appealing. Whereas with conceptual photography, everything that's in the frame is there for a reason. And it's there to challenge people's 
perspective, whereas I feel like action sports photography is to inspire people to sort of either get out there or try and learn a new trick or that kind of thing. And it's a completely different type of person. Whereas fine art photography is trying to challenge someone's perspective on an issue and really trying to make them feel something deep and think about something. And everything that's in the frame is there for like a very specific reason to tie back to that one concept. So it's really more about something that's mentally challenging mm -hmm. versus just dopamine for your brain when you look at the photo. Yeah. And everything like for me, it makes like my, I kind of see it as like, it makes my brain hurt. And so it's very mentally exhausting. Whereas snowboard photography is very physically exhausting, like physically exhausting in the travel and getting there and every aspect. Whereas fine art photography is less physically demanding, but very mentally demanding. It's not, you can't just take a, well, for my type of um, fine art photography, you can't just take a photo that looks pretty. It has to have a reason and a concept behind it. Some people do do fine art photography that's just landscapes, um, which is great, but that's just not, that's not my version. I really want to make people feel something. Yeah, I like how you, you want to have a concept or a message behind um, the photo, even before you shoot it. Mm -hmm. I think, I think it's, it's a little bit different maybe from what I had in mind at first. That's why I asked you to explain what your vision on fine art photography is. Mm -hmm. um, and, and based on, on that, how, how, how would you shoot? Um, would you shoot? Is it something you shoot in snow or for, for yourself? Or is it something that's anywhere at any time? It's more about the concept and the way you execute it. Um, it's more about the concept for the series that I'm working on now. Um, it started out as stripping someone's identity. So I kind of wanted to see who, because there's so many different ideas of who a person is and they have different personas there's like their online persona or their persona at work or their persona with their friends or their family or whatever but what is it once you strip all of that away that's actually them and it's really interesting too like or fascinating for me with teenagers because they change their look throughout being a teenager like they might try like dyeing their hair purple or dressing all in black or whatever and they're just playing with these different identities but what's below all of that And so I kind of wanted to strip people of all of their identity and show sort of like the essence of like what a person is and how their essence affects how they see the world, their perspective of the world and what they create for themselves in the world. So it resulted in me painting people white because essentially in white light, you have every color. Mm -hmm. And so it essentially represents everything. So essentially your essence is everything and everything that you create around you. Um, so that's how it started was um, me sort of stripping people of identity by like literally painting them with white paint. Um, and then I've taken that and I'm just starting a self-portrait series where I'm painting myself white. And it's all about, um, it actually links back to sort of um, sexual assault and how that sort of affects a person and the feelings that that brings up and the process that that brings up just to sort of um, in, um, bring people insight and sort of bring that issue and get people to talk about it and see it in a different way. And then people who have experienced it, because I think one in three women have experienced sexual assault in their lifetime. And so I'm hoping it's something that will um, make them feel 
more okay with the feelings that they're experiencing as they're experiencing them and be able to talk about them more and sort of in, in, or initiate and sort of bring that sort of conversation around again in a different way. That's great. I, lo I love the way you're, you're thinking about the concept. You're trying to put it down and then execute it. I, I think there is a great lesson for, for myself, at least, on mm -hmm. how, how you think about it. I, if I'm very honest, I never shot that way in my life. I never <laughs> yeah. try to. Mm -hmm. I usually have general concept in my head and messages. And, and that's where it gets weird because it's, it's something very, it's, it's very cloudy in the head, mm -hmm. although it's very uh, clear. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like, yeah. I don't have the exact image. I have mm -hmm. a bunch of things I, I need in, in a shot or to vehicle a message that I have. And I love how yours is like really well thought out. I'm definitely going to try that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely very thought out. I mean, there still is room and sometimes I have to do reshoots because what you think is going to work isn't, doesn't work. It doesn't come across the way that you think that it will, but it is, it is pretty like pretty planned out beforehand, which is a really nice contrast to snowboard photography, which is like very much you have to react to the conditions and what's going on. Yeah. And it really shows the duality of, of, or, or persona also where just because you're snow photographers doesn't mean that you don't like to shoot fine art or you don't like to shoot something different, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I, I feel like you kind of need to have a face, uh, at least if you work with some clients, with certain clients to be like, okay, I'm, I'm the snow photography guy, you know? Um, yeah. And these are definitely two separate brands. So like yeah. I won't, market my snowboard photography like and it won't even appeal like it's going to be two separate instagram accounts because if i post my fine art photography on my current instagram account it just people won't understand it it's not the same audience and so you just answered a question <laughs> i get asked a lot should i start a different account for my landscape or street or portrait photography a lot of people have asked me oh yeah yeah it's you just answered. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I mean, unless you can, unless they work together in some way, then they're going to attract different people. So um, they have to have sort of a different brand around them. And for me, it balances me out. You know, have you ever heard about like the left brain, right brain kind of idea? That's sort mm -hmm. of how I feel about these two types of photography. They're very different, but they balance me as a person out. Because if yeah. I did fine art all the time, I'd be way too much in my head. And um, doing action sports all the time, I don't get to express these concepts that I really want to express and get out into the world. That's awesome. That's awesome. Maybe you'll find a way to mix the two at one point. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. I, yeah, we'll see if that, maybe, yeah. I mean, I'm going to shoot some fine art in the same locations that I'm shooting snowboarding. So, so there we of, go. We already have an overlap. Yeah, there's <laughs> <laughs> definitely overlap. It's still me. I'm still one person. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I just love how, how we have uh, like so much more than just or or one face um, on the internet, which is mm -hmm. which is awesome. Um, I could dwell into that topic for hours, but <laughs> I'm gonna be mindful of your time, Erin, because it's been it's been amazing so far, and uh, I think there is a lot to be learned uh, from your journey and from the work you're creating right now. Uh, I think you've got a lot of big projects coming up and. 
that everyone should be following you on YouTube also because I, I think you you told me you you would start uh, sharing a little bit more or at least yes. uh, coming back on the videos uh, very soon. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I have some in the bank. We're just getting them all refined and then getting them out again because we kind of hit a little hiccup with them. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's okay. As we, as we were talking about before, <laughs> video is really time uh, consuming compared to photography. Oh my, it's just a whole different, a whole different thing. A whole different word. Storytelling is different. It doesn't go through one image. It goes through thousands of images. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you need to connect the viewer. Oh my God. And, and then There's you have to be in front of the camera, which I am still getting used to. <laughs> well, I mean, you're doing a pretty good job. Huh? I, oh, thank you. It's, it's not awkward uh, at all to, to what you talk about the, the experience. So at least you have, you've got that nailed down. That's a good <laughs> part. Maybe it feels awkward to you, but not to the viewer. That's, that's okay. That's normal. That's part of Perfect. the process. Yeah, that's good. That's good to hear because it's one of, my, one of my things I'm still getting used to. Yeah, Erin, is there, uh, that's the last question I usually mm. ask guests, it's, do you have a little something you would like to leave to the to the listener right now? Maybe someone's listening, someone's going to work or working out, might be a little bit uninspired to shoot or, or to do something creative. Do you have a recommendation or an exercise you like or something fun you discovered? Not put too much pressure on what you're doing. I don't know if that's exactly what you're looking for, but... Um... Yeah, whenever I get stuck or get like I don't want to either like one, take a break and do something else, but then two, just take all the pressure off. And if something's not working out, then just do something else and like shoot something else or try something else and um, and don't put too much pressure on it at all. Just like keep doing it and eventually you'll get like the end result that you're looking for. Great advice. Great advice. I just thought about it. Uh, yeah. as you were speaking i was just imagining for example when i edit photos and i just can't get there mm -hmm. then I, you remove all the pressure suddenly the sliders go in all direction but at one point you come back and you're like oh actually it can work a little bit better that way but you had too much pressure to try it yeah exactly and sometimes you need to walk away and come back to it and then yeah and then and if you really want to like if if you're just in like one little stuck place but if you're struggling to get started you just have to do it like there's no way around it you literally just have to do it and make all the mistakes and eventually something's going to work out i like the the philosophy behind it erin thank you so much for your time i really appreciate uh, i know time is the only valuable thing we have on earth <laughs> so thank you so so much thank um, you for having me I wanted to invite everyone to go follow you on uh, Instagram. It's uh, what's your Instagram? Just Erin Hogg? Yeah, Erin Hogg. So E R I N and then H O G U E. Cool. All right. So everyone go check out Erin. And Erin, we should go shoot together. I should come around yes. uh, Whistler. <laughs> and maybe you can show me how to shoot snow photography or like De snowboard. <laughs> yes, definitely. I'm down. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Erin. Have an amazing day. You too. Well, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. As usual, remember, please share that podcast if you got any value out of it. We're trying to blow it up in 2019. So please, 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 I count on each and every one of you to share it with a friend. Even if it's just your dog, that's going to be good enough. <laughs> just kidding. All right. With that being said, get out there, go shoot, try something different, try something new. And remember, go say hi to Aaron. Bye, guys. Bye.